This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined on Zoom by David Moore. Hello, David. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing well. That's so stupid. And look, and there's Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. Oh, fine. How do you do to both of you fellas today? How's everything going? Kevin, you're stupid. I was just about to say that, you know, we did a little pre, pre-meeting there and, and Evan was at his dauber down and was just so dour. Then he comes on, he's so bright and cheerful, and then he ends it with that. It's all an act, Kevin. I, 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 my high school drama class comes in, to, in handy for me. Were you in drama in high school? What, did you, were you in a play in high school? I was in drama in high school, for sure. I just wasn't a class. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you were a drama party in high school. Holy cow, man! I could just see little Evan going around the halls. Oh boy, little Evan was a loser. He still is <laughs> a loser. Come on now, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. So the Pulitzers came out. Uh, none of us got one again. Uh, classic, uh, ripped off again. Although Tom Fox, our photographer extraordinaire, was a finalist. Yes. I think I sent Tom a note. I said he got ripped off. He's a finalist, and, and Reuters won. It, its entire bureau uh, in Hong Kong won for the uh, pictures of the unrest there. It's like, that's not really fair when one guy's competing against an entire bureau, in my mind. Tom risked his life for the pictures he took. Uh, he happened to me at the federal building uh, when a when a fellow went down there and decided just to try to shoot it up. And uh, and those pictures, if you've never seen them, are unbelievable uh, that he took. Uh, not only because he uh, was there and saw the guy and was just feet from him, um, just the uh, the structure of the pictures to take in that kind of uh in those moments is just unbelievable but you know the dallas morning news is is in my time here has always had terrific photographers uh and and they've won i'm trying to think about how many i believe it's six uh that the photography department here the photojournalism department i should say at the uh at the uh dallas morning news has won a pulitzer so hats off uh, to our old pal tom fox um Yes. Now, moving on, we've, we've had some events over the weekend. Uh, the Cowboys uh, signed a quarterback who's now going to be the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> Andy Dalton. TCU's on, Katie's on. what Evan's been pushing for. Evan's yeah. been proclaiming him as the starter. 
Evan is Evan is never liked Dak Prescott as the starting quarterback of the Cowboys. He's he's problems with it all along, and now he's saying that he's making a case for Cooper Rush, who was cut by the Cowboys immediately after they signed Dak. Uh, Evan was a big Cooper Rush fan. After they signed Dak. After they signed Dak. Not after they signed Andy. I'm sorry. There you go. Let's get your quarterback straightened out and stop lying. Stop this whole line. I, let's get into this conversation because, I, quite frankly, I'm a little bit bewildered by, by the fact that the Sandy Dolphin signing has gained so much speculation about it. But you guys go ahead and, and start that conversation, and when I deem necessary, I will jump in. Well, first of all, you can address the whole uh, you know, conspiracy theory angle. I, I just don't get why this – and I look, I understand we don't have a whole lot to talk about these days, but it, to me it's – it's um, this is a very simple signing. It's an opportunistic signing for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations once again and believes it's capable of going deep into the playoffs. Uh, this team has not had a reliable backup quarterback in a long, long time. Um, and you guys can cite a couple of names, but Dalton's a proven long-term NFL starter. Are his best years behind him? Yes. But I think this is a guy who, in a pinch, if Dak Prescott ends up lying on the ground like Tony Romo did when he was laid out by the Redskins, this is a guy who can come in and start some games for you and play at a replacement-type level. Um, and that's to me, that's all it is. Uh, if you guys want to explore theories on why it's something greater than that, I'm all I'm all ears. But it just doesn't add up to anything other for me than this is insurance in case Dak is hurt, not in case Dak decides. In, in case the team can't come to an agreement with them. David, uh, before I, I get into ask you these questions, I wanted to kind of set this up: the whole issue of uh, uh, backup quarterbacks with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, over the, the 31 years that Jerry has owned the team, uh, there's been some interesting backups here. Uh, certainly in the early years, we can remember back when when the Cowboys in the supplemental round, round after they had drafted Troy Eggman, took Steve Walsh. And there was some question because, because Steve Walsh had played for uh, Jimmy at Miami and that this was a guy that he really liked. And, uh, and certainly there was a lot of speculation back then that he liked him better than Troy. Um, that didn't work out so well for Steve. Uh, but over the years, uh, early on, uh, one of our favorite backup quarterbacks, of course, was Babe Offenberg uh, for, for the Cowboys. But, you know, they, he did have Steve Berline, who went 4-0 as a backup quarterback and won a playoff game uh, mm-hmm. for the Cowboys. That is one of the few success stories, if you're going to look at it that way, for backup quarterbacks that the Cowboys have had. In my research, three quarterbacks – first of all, they are 37 and 58. Uh, in, in the, when backup quarterbacks have gotten in the games and, and, uh, and actually started and either won or lost the game. 37 and 58. Jerry, this, is, this is in Jerry's tenure. This is only in Jerry's tenure. That's correct. Burline was 4-0. Jason Garrett was 6-3. and Tony Romo, uh, who was, in essence, uh, uh, Drew Bledsoe's backup, after he came in when, the, when Bill Parcells said, okay, that's enough. Then Tony went six and four. I have a hard time considering Tony the backup quarterback at that point. He just came in because of the play of the of the starter. It wasn't a, you know, the typical situation you look for is a guy gets hurt, he goes down, 
you know, your backup comes in and he takes over and then he goes back to being the backup again. That was not the case with Tony. But I give him, you know, technically he was the backup quarterback at that time. Those are the only three guys who have ever won. And if you think like Jerry thinks, which is a very scary thing to do, but if you think like Jerry thinks, I'm sure he's thinking like, I don't want to pay a lot of money to these guys. When they come in, they lose anyway. Uh, if, if you if you go if you get down to your backup quarterback, your season's probably over anyway. He, you know, I think he, he probably had his mind changed by what happened in Philadelphia a couple of years ago when Nick Foles took the uh, the Eagles to the Super Bowl uh, and won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. But there were a couple of disasters there along the way. You know, there was the the Kyle Orton thing when he gave Kyle Orton a lot of money. Uh, it, had three and a half million dollars uh, in signing bonuses, and then Orton wasn't happy. He wanted to retire. Um, if he retired, he'd have to get the money back. Uh, he kind of waited the Cowboys out. They finally released him, so he got to keep the money. And then he signed with Buffalo and had a pretty good year in Buffalo. He went seven and five, as a matter of fact. Um, but then after that, there was a disaster. We all remember when when Tony got hurt, and then he went with Matt Castle. And that year, he had Matt Castle, who went one and six. He had Kellen Moore, who went 0-2, and, and then he had Brandon Wheaton, who went 0-3. He had a bunch of backup quarterbacks back then and was paying them all a lot of money, and they went a combined 1-11. and 11. So you can see how Jerry might feel like, why would I want to spend a lot of money on this position when this is what happens? I'm not, I'm not justifying. I'm saying that's why. Now, David, you have a theory uh, about uh, – because I wanted to ask you, what, what changed now, uh, first of all, by the fact that – uh, they've signed Andy Dalton, who's not making a lot of money. He can make $3 million guaranteed. He could, I think he could make up to $7 million if he fulfills certain things in his contract. I'm assuming that means if he ends up starting, right? Yeah, well, it, yeah, based on performance and playtime incentives. So he actually has to hit the field. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, one, one thing you're, you're – when talking, going through that scenario there, um, I was always struck by one of the more successful backup quarterbacks you had in there was Jason Garrett during this tenure. And I think one thing Jason Garrett never did was develop a backup quarterback during his time with the Cowboys, which I find fascinating. Uh, he got bailed out at the end and got a few extra years because Dak Prescott stepped in for Tony Romo. But they, they kept going. Dallas was... I think part of the reason was, I don't know that it was Jerry wouldn't pay him. I think they got caught going back and forth on, okay, let's develop a young guy. Oh, we kept him for three years. We don't like him. Okay, now let's go ahead and get pay for a backup and get another young quarterback in to develop. So, so I would argue it was Jason Garrett's inability to develop a backup quarterback that played into that. Um, two, um, you know, you're looking for different things at different times. And um, now a, a veteran backup makes sense. You, you've gotten four years out of Dak Prescott. He's never come off the field, basically. And you've got to look up and go, okay, how much longer can this keep going on? And if you remember at the end of last year, I mean, Dak hurt his wrist pretty bad and came back and had a really bad game with the, with the wrist where maybe if you would have had a veteran, you felt a little bit better about, you know, you, you might have at least given them a series or two to see how things went. But I, I think the reason you're seeing this now is Cooper Rush was designated by Garrett as like, okay, I feel comfortable with him as the backup. We can develop him. 
Well, now you have a new head coach and a new coaching staff, and they come in, and if you're Mike McCarthy, you go, okay, here's a guy who's thrown three passes in the NFL, none since 2017. He's not my quarterback. I didn't develop him. I don't see how he has developed. And so if you have the chance to get Andy Dalton and you're going to Mike McCarthy and you say, Mike, are you more comfortable with Andy Dalton or Cooper Rush as your backup quarterback? It's not even going to be, you don't hesitate. You're going to say Andy Dalton. So um, I, I think Mike McCarthy has come from a system where they've had backups he's felt comfortable in or he has been able to develop to get to that point. And coming in here, Cooper Rush was not his guy. Uh, he probably didn't see traits in him that he, he felt that would draw him to Cooper Rush if he was just out there on the open market. So he said, well, look, um, yeah, I, I kind of like Ben DiNucci. Let me work with him, but let's get a veteran in here because we know Ben DiNucci is not going to be ready to back up. I got to develop him. So I, I think it's just where they are as far as the makeup of the team right now. I, I don't think uh, – Jerry has, has ever been too adverse to paying any position if he felt it was needed. Um, I just think, you know, up at the end of Romo's tenure, he felt it was needed because, um, you know, they, they tried to develop quarterbacks and did not. They tried McGee from Texas A&M. They tried to, tried to develop him. It didn't work out. Um, you know, Brandon Whedon was another guy they felt good about and they weren't able to develop. So, when they were striking out developing guys toward the end of Romo's tenure, when the back became more problematic, it was like, okay, we've got to get a veteran in here. Um, now I just think they went, you know what? We've probably been pretty lucky and Dak's been pretty lucky not missing any games. In fact, he, in fact, I think he has the third longest active quarterback streak of starts right now in the NFL. So they just went, look, we can get Andy Dalton, a proven starter in this league, for $3 million a year in base salary. And that's the other thing with all these people. I know we're going to get into, like, you know, this was no message being sent to Dak Prescott. This was no sign of disrespect. And it doesn't matter what the Cowboys say. The contract speaks volumes about how they view Andy Dalton. And, Evan, you mentioned earlier, the most he can make is up to $7 million, uh, this year. Well, let's say he hits that $7 million total. That is one-fifth of the average to yearly average total that's on the table for Dak Prescott right now to sign that he hasn't signed. So the Cowboys offer, which hasn't been accepted yet, is already five times greater than what, um, you know, the, the maximum that Andy Dalton can earn this year. And if you want to go on base salary, it's more than 10 times what Andy Dalton will make this year, uh, what's on the table for Dak. Right, I want to before we go through the whole conspiracy theory thing. I want to do a little bit more background stuff here because I spent a lot of time putting all this stuff together. <laughs> uh, but the issue for me is if you look back here, two things. First of all, you you talked about developing quarterbacks. That goes way past uh, Jason Garrett. I, I and you're right. I do yeah. uh, hold him at fault for that. I just say he was a backup quarterback. You would have thought he would have been better at he, developing that position. Yeah. You would think so. But then. That's the thing with, with a coach like Garrett, who comes from a quarterback school, wanted to develop a guy, right? That he took these projects and wanted to develop them. And with McCarthy, you are saying, here's a veteran coach who, who has won a Super Bowl. His job is to get us to a Super Bowl. 
we better have all our risks kind of hedged a little bit. And that's as simple as it gets with Dalton. I'm, I'm sure. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and he, and he will want to develop his, but he'll want to develop his own guy. But his point is, I haven't had time to get him in here and develop him. So I'll develop you somebody that's cost effective. But right now we need someone who's proven we can turn this over to if needed. This is that's the whole the, the whole issue with the Cowboys all these years when when Jerry's been here. Said, look, there's a reason why I believe that he did not do this. He had he started with Troy Aikman. Well, first of all, Troy Aikman was a given, right? With, with you know, Gil Brandt had already decided they were going to if if the Cowboys had not been sold to Jerry Jones, the Cowboys were going to draft you know uh, Troy Aikman with the first pick of the draft. That was a no brainer. That was going to happen. And that's kind of interesting when you think about it that two-thirds of the triplets had already been decided on by the, the, the former regime, the original Cowboys. They, they took Michael Irvin in 1988, and then they were going to take Troy Eggman in 1989. Uh, I don't know if they would have come up with Emmett Smith. But at any rate, there's a reason why, I, you know, in the 90s, Jerry drafted one quarterback, Bill Musgrave, one, one quarterback drafted in the entire decade. Uh, and that was early in the decade. I believe that was in 1991. So he's got Troy Eggman. I don't want to spend on something uh, because of what we know about quarterbacks. They don't get on the field. I guess Kevin's not going to get on the field here either. I love the freeze ability. It's just great. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's stuck in the pocket. How does – Evan, pick up where he left off, because you, you two have a mind meld thing going. I have no idea what he was talking about there, <laughs> other than the fact that he used one pick on Bill Musgraves, and, um, you know, he had a nice career as a coordinator. Um, it, it, again, I, I, and David, I think you can go into this a little bit more, but with practice squad and everything, you know, you do have the ability to use a third quarterback as kind of a development guy, right? Sure, yeah. Um, and so that's basically now it, what McCarthy has identified. Their, their attempt is going to be to take a look at Danucci this year. And it gives them some actual wiggle room with Danucci to not think that they've got to be ready to throw him into a game because now they've got, they've got Dalton there and he can take whatever reps he needs. Uh, and, and Danucci can work practice squad stuff and continue to develop at the, at the, kind of at the proper pace, right? I mean, exactly. the development yeah. of a quarterback that you're taking as a project, how much time is there that needs to be invested in that? Well, especially a guy out of James Madison, a seventh-round pick. Um, I mean, look, I, it things have changed. I mean, the past, you could get these guys, and, you know, even like a Rodgers was there for three years, I think, behind Favre, and, and you had uh, top-of-the-line picks who would sit there two, three years was not unusual. In today's salary cap world, I don't know that you can afford to do that anymore. And I really think, you know, if you have two years of, of hands-on experience day in and day out, seeing what the guy can do in practice, seeing what he picks up in the, in the meeting rooms, uh, how he diagrams plays, uh, interacting with you and the quarterback coach during the games to see what he spots in the defenses, what he can add. I think after two years, you should have a pretty good idea that, you know what, uh, we can spend more time developing this guy or make a decision, you know, this just isn't going to work. So let's take a quarterback again this year 
and, and put him in the pipeline and develop him. And uh, I, I think that's what you'll see with this team going forward. I, I think this was the first uh, – I think Danucci is going to get a couple of years here, and then McCarthy is going to make the determination, okay, um, we like what he's done. We think he can be a career backup. Uh, or, you know what, that's not to the level we want. So now it's 2022. Let's go ahead and take another quarterback in this draft, and let's not wait till the seventh round this time. Let's take him in the fourth or fifth. So but but I think they'll, I think they'll constantly shuffle like that. Isn't the thinking right now, draft-wise, that either you take a quarterback in in round one or round two, or then you wait until the sixth or seventh round and take a project guy? Well, more and more, yeah. You don't see guys, you don't see quarterbacks interspersed in the uh, second, third round. Now, you see him in the fourth, and Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick, and there were other quarterbacks uh, that year in that round. Um, but normally, if – if a quarter, if you really like a quarterback, you're going to figure out a way to move into the first round, even if you're not there to take him. And if you're, if the first round is done and you're a quarterback, yeah, it's more likely now the way things are set up, you're going to be a day three guy versus a day two guy. There, there's still some exceptions in there, but by and large, what happens is when you have a run at the because you, you're never going to have enough, and whether there are two or four or six on that plateau, say there are six. So the moment the fifth quarterback goes and it's going to be in the fifth round, then every other team that needs a quarterback, if they're not in position to draft him in the first round, they're looking to move up into the back of the first to get him because they don't think he'll be there later and they know other teams are moving up to try to get him. So that's what you see with quarterbacks now. They'll go – two and maybe three rounds ahead of where they should uh, just because it's such a crying need now. And then you have this gap before you get back to, to what the board is. And, and the Cowboys were lucky that year because someone like Dak was still on the board in, in the fourth. Um, and th that's, that's becoming increasingly rare these days. Well, I do recall those. News. We've got breaking news. Um, What's that? Apparently the, uh, phone was put back into the modem coupler and, and <laughs> back online. stop it we're just having a lot of uh, i don't know just it's during this uh shelter in place that we've had a lot of uh problems with our wi-fi i don't know what the deal is i'm i'm apologize for that i'm sorry i'm sorry I, but i want to say that while i was out that's the best y'all have ever done uh it was really good stuff <laughs> so um uh, yeah, when 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 draft when Dak was drafted in the fourth round, uh, yeah, that was a good pick. But I I do recall that a, that there was, you know, I heard from a lot of Mississippi State people who were not fans, and that's just such a crazy thing that people were saying that because if you if you talk to people who really know football, they will tell you he single handedly lifted them to number one in the nation. Yeah, uh, but people don't want to believe that, and they don't want to believe the numbers now in that conference. And that, and, and that comes in the SEC. It's unbelievable <laughs> to be able to do that. If he were to do that, if Kellen Mond were able to do that at Texas A&M, they'd be putting up statues of him there. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's the, the, the difference, what that, that's like. So, uh, well, yeah. He had, he had done that one year and then came back, and his next year wasn't quite as spectacular. So, of course, the uh, 
the bloom was off the rose a little bit. And it's always, what have you done for me lately with everybody? So. It is. Uh, and, and, you know, look, we've all watched Dak at times and make throws that were not good throws. You know, just there's just no explanation for it. You know, it just – is well, the explanation is that his mechanics are not always his footwork. Good. Was, yeah, his footwork his, was poor. His footwork and it tails is, on him a little bit at times. Absolutely, and and you know he's he's not Patrick Mahomes, you know. But that's the the ridiculous argument is that Patrick Mahomes, if he can keep this up, it will go down as one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. Uh, he's just an unbelievable talent, uh, just a just a great athlete an unbelievable athlete and can, and can do all those things, can throw off his back foot, can do all this kind of stuff. He's like Aaron Rodgers. He can do anything he wants to do with the ball uh, at, at any given time. Dak can't do that. But that doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback. doesn't mean he's not an effective quarterback. doesn't mean uh, he's not a winning quarterback. I mean, he can be all those things. He's just not a perfect quarterback. And, no, he's not. Uh, and, I, and I don't think that Dak – you know, it, my complaint about Dak has always been I feel like – he wants to prove that he is a quarterback and not a running quarterback, you know. Uh, and, and I think that's a mistake. I think that he needs to, to trust his instincts, and if he thinks he needs to run, and I believe that Dak has been a smart runner in his career. If, if we look at other quarterbacks like Tua Tagovailoa with Alabama, who's a now, – now there's another guy who can really spin it. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a wonderful passer. But his problem is, is that when he gets out in the open, he's not a very big guy. He takes too many people on. And he's suffered some really serious injuries in his time in Alabama. They're going to have to, in Miami, they're going to have to get him to stop doing that. They're going to have to tell him, you're going to have to learn to slide and run out of bounds if you're going to do this at all. Uh, and, and I do think that Dak, uh, for the most part, doesn't take people on that much. He has on occasion done it, but he's also a very big guy. Uh, so He does I, it on I, the goal line. He really sacrifices his body. I mean, there have been several times he's, like, flipped, done somersaults, and, and really yes. thrown himself into precarious positions. But I agree with you. On the field, he has a, a very good sense. I, I, think he lo- I think he takes a few too many chances near the goal line. But out on the field running, you never get the sense he's exposing himself or doing something uh, that, that doesn't make sense in, in the moment. No, you know, I, I think on, on Dak, the, the, the way I would sum it up almost is, and it, to me it's kind of an admirable way to look at it, but, you know, when you talk to baseball scouts and you talk about um, players, they often bring up this comparison. You know, do you want to accentuate a guy's strengths or do you want to improve a guy's weaknesses, right? And, and, and it's admirable that, that Dak wants to improve what is perceived as a weakness for him, which is being a traditional quarterback, a, a – in-the-pocket kind of guy. But I do think that there's that kind of delicate balance where he's got to be a little bit more um, aware of just how much a strength and just how much an asset it is when he moves and he's on the move. And, uh, yeah, that's been the biggest criticism that I've got of him. It's the same thing that, 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 that Kevin just said. Um, if McCarthy can get that through to him just a little bit more and get him to believe, look, this is a strength. I'm going to make my strength really work for me. And I can still improve my weaknesses some. Um, then he goes to yet another level. 
David, I wanted to ask you about this uh, because there were several quarterbacks available um, that they could have signed. Uh, I, I'm, well, I, I say that. There were guys available. I don't know if they could have signed them or not. We certainly know that Cam Newton is available. We know that Joe Flacco is available. Um, I think what's interesting, and, and Tim Callishaw wrote a column about this last week, and as I said, it was the worst part about all this. Not that that was interesting, but yeah, Tim, yeah. Tim did right last week. Yeah. <laughs> the, the worst part about all of this is that Tim can say, I told you so. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, you, had, you had three guys available. And, and frankly, as soon as I learned that, that the, and, and of course, we, we felt like the Bengals were, were probably going to re- release Andy. Uh, I thought he was the ideal guy for this setup. Uh, and for a couple of reasons. One, his numbers are really good. When he's surrounded by good people, his numbers are better. You know, he's a, you know, we talk about making the team Dak friendly. This is an Andy friendly team. You know, these are, this is, he's got a lot of, we- he's never worked with these kind of weapons. No, you know, not, not this, no. He, and he can manage a game. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, he, th- this is a, I, this is an ideal sign. I mean, tell me off the top of your head, who's a better backup quarterback in the league right now at this moment? Now, again, that's always like, okay, well, the whole idea is you still hope he never plays, but uh, he, he's in the argument for the best backup quarterback in the league. And are you trying to tell me that, that New England wouldn't be better if he was their starting quarterback? You know, that's the thing. I, I think there probably is still a few clubs out there where you could project Andy Dalton as the starting quarterback. And, I don't understand. Uh, yeah. He, he, he felt to me like a, a New England guy. I really thought he was going to go to New England and be their starting quarterback. Uh, that, that surprised a lot of people, I think. Yeah. And I guess they really obviously they didn't have an interest. You know? Well, I guess they really believe in Jarrett Stidham. I don't, I don't know. You know, that's a, that's a real gamble for me. I, I do think that one of the things that uh, doesn't it feel like that Bill Belichick is trying to take this thing to the ground and build it back up again. I mean, he had one. He's always had one of the oldest teams in the league. Uh, certainly, his quarterback was, and even as great as he was, I just feel like that. Why? Why else would he let Tom Brady go? I, mean, I know that Tom wanted to go, but I, I'm sure if Bill had gone to him and begged him and said, "We got to have you," I think that that Tom would have stayed. So I, I feel like that the that there has there must be a redo going here. If you're going to do that, you're not going to sign an older quarterback. Let's go ahead and and lose, and let's go with our uh, young quarterback. And I, we believe in this guy. Well, we're just going to you know win and lose with him, and and then maybe we'll get uh, some better draft picks and we, we, we've certainly never had those uh in this era it just kind of feels like that to me yeah it's gonna be again I think it was I perfectly understand the Brady Belichick parting I think both of them are looking forward to having a measure of success without the others so they're not you know inexorably linked which they will be for their careers but I think just from a uh ego standpoint I think um well, well, Brady's certainly very appreciative of everything Belichick has done. I, I think the lack of recognition for the role you played in all of this or not giving enough credit, I think probably wore on him a little bit. And, and I think Belichick's going, what do you mean I didn't give you enough? I, I let you skip the entire offseason program. I'm, I wouldn't let any other player do that. Uh, who, who's, you know, so I, I think it was kind of an inevitable, you know, parting at the end where both of them can kind of – um, I don't know that either one of them has much joy in what they're accomplishing. And I think the belief may be, and, and usually in these situations, mistakenly so, that you kind of recapture some of that joy or you 
uh, kind of established like, you know, well, see, I, I'm, I was kind of the driving force behind this. And, and there's, uh, that's certainly how it's going to be watched from afar for uh, Tom Brady and Belichick this year. But um, yeah, but all of that being said, I, it, it was surprising to me that, that New England wouldn't have gone with Dalton because he seemed to make uh, ideal sense if you want to try to get as close to what you were before to keep it going. The fact they didn't do that does lead you to believe, okay, do they not want to keep it going the way they were? Do they go, okay, let's let's take a, a year or two here. Uh, I'll get this back up and running. Or is it just Belichick going, I know these guys. I know I'm the best coach. I'm going to show everybody how I'm the best coach. We're going to win with this guy now. Well, it's I don't certainly think possible. to spite himself in terms of that, but I, I do think he feels like, I, I don't see Belichick tearing this this thing down. I don't think he he's in a position where he wants to tear this thing down. Kevin, stop making faces with your thing. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I want to point out here, uh, just because because uh, uh, I, I did this. Uh, in, in 2010, uh, for Texas football, I wrote a cover story, and the three guys on the cover of, of Texas football in 2010 were Andy Dalton from TCU, Case Keenum, from Houston and, and Gerard Johnson from Texas A&M. The, at the time, those three guys, if you ask me, I and mean, ask anybody at that time, who of these guys are going to be the biggest success story? Everybody would have said Gerard Johnson. Uh, big guy, big arm. So good job with that, Kevin. Good call. Uh, well, anyway. But the, the, the amazing thing is, is that 10 years later, all three of those guys are still in the NFL. Uh, Gerard Johnson is a uh, quality control coach for the for the Indianapolis Colts, but the other two guys are still playing. Now, when you said that about backup quarterbacks, Case Keenum, of course, is now a backup in Cleveland uh, to Baker Mayfield, um, and uh, and has had his own success. Uh, and I, but I, if I had my choice between the two, I'd take Andy over over Case. I, I just think that he he kind of he's the nice safe pick, uh, and not that in Case has been a backup quarterback for most of his career. And so he certainly can handle that. But I think that's part of the decision-making process you have to make here. When you're, when you're choosing that backup quarterback, you certainly want to, don't want to get into a deal where the guy is backstabbing the starter, right? You want to make sure that you got an environment where the guy that, that's sitting there as the understudy is a guy who understands his role, is going to support the starting quarterback, but is ready to step in and has the ability to do that. Uh, and those guys – are fairly rare. I mean, you know, we, we talked about the fact that Cam Newton was still available. Would Cam Newton really want to sit behind Dak Prescott? This is a guy who played in a Super Bowl. Uh, He's already you know. said he wants to be a starter again. He doesn't want a backup. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, Jameis Winston's another guy who went in as a backup, but he's been a starter since he stepped into the league, and, and he's younger. Uh, Andy Dalton's been through it. He's viewing this as a one-year bridge to, you know um, – but again, he, he's a veteran guy who acknowledges where he is in his career. And, and just in acknowledging and taking this step, I think from someone like Andy Dalton shows he's willing to accept it because he knows he's not coming in here with a chance to win the starting job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do agree that this was, a, this was a, a good move for the Cowboys, obviously. You're just improving your roster, right? You're making yourself better at every position. Um, I, I, was, uh, I was never really a Cooper Rush guy, but this goes back to the whole – question about that you had uh david about that jason had not developed a guy when you, when you look on here and you go back through the through the history of the cowboys backup quarterbacks 
there were only a couple of years where the backup never threw a pass. In 05, when Drew Bledsoe was a, was a starter, uh, uh, no one else threw a pass that year. Uh, and then, essentially, that's it. Uh, and then we had, of course, the last two years. You know, you got to get those guys in the games, right? They, they've got to play. They can't just sure. sit there. You, you can't find that because, as we know, they, they don't get any reps in practice. You know, they don't get any reps with the first team. 10%. Yeah, they get 10% of the reps in practice over the course of the week. And, uh, yeah, you, you're right. And, and you know, last year, um, Randall Cobb was the only person other than Dak Prescott who threw a pass in a game. And some of this was because the Cowboys were always in close games and they felt they couldn't afford to put Cooper Rush in. But, but he, here's the other baffling thing about Cooper Rush, just, you know, he won the job unexpectedly and really kicked Kellen Moore into the coaching ranks prematurely because he was just outstanding in training camp that year. Uh, they weren't looking to keep Cooper Rush. They were looking to keep Kellen Moore. Uh, but Cooper Rush so outplayed Kellen Moore in, in uh, training camp and the preseason games, you know, they released Kellen Moore and then brought him back as like, you know, a quarterback coach. Uh, um, but but what happened was then every other preseason that Cooper Rush played in, he played worse in the preseason than he played that year that he won the job. And then he wasn't getting any any go in games. And so how could you – again, I think he was at a stage where they were going to have to move on anyway because he'd been there for three years. And what had you seen invested that would allow you to continue to go forward with him? Well – I think Garrett was comfortable with them and may have made the argument, well, look, I, I see some things. This is what I see. I'm comfortable with them. Spend that money somewhere else. Uh, Mike McCarthy clearly was not. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with Mike on that one. That's uh, I, I think this is a good move. You know, I, I think, you know, when you, when you look at quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks, uh, you should always be obviously doing that in concert with who your starting quarterback is. If you've got a guy like Tony Romo, who is at the end of his career, even though he did miss a lot of games, he did miss some, and he certainly was very, uh, let's say, tender at that point in his career, you needed, a, you needed a guy who was ready to step right in. That really wasn't Dak Prescott, or at least it shouldn't have been. Here's a guy that was a rookie. You know, you, you, you shouldn't have had to be counting on a rookie to come in and start for you, and especially a, a fourth-round rookie at that. That's what made his rookie season so remarkable, beside the fact that just from the numbers themselves, they were almost historical, uh, how well he played, but just the fact that he was a fourth-rounder who did that. That's not typically what you want. In this case, with a guy like uh, like Andy Dalton, he, he, to me, he better fits the role for what you want. This is an older guy because you have a younger guy who's still kind of learning the ropes a little bit, even though that the Dak is going into his fifth season, he's still run, learning the ropes a little bit about certain things. And so you kind of, to me, you want a, an older guy because if you take a younger guy now and he's your, and he's your backup quarterback, he's not going to play very much. And he, and he doesn't have the, the, the promise of playing very much. And then when his contract's up, if he's shown anything, he's going to go somewhere else where he can play. That's that's right. Now, there are certain times when that, that works okay. I mean, certainly sure. we saw what happened in Green Bay when they, they drafted Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre was still in his prime. Uh, we, we've we seen the – and Green Bay has done that again. They drafted uh, Jordan Love in the first round when I, I don't know that I would say that uh, Aaron Rodgers is in his prime now, but he's still very good. 
Uh, and so how, how much is he going to get to play? Well, what Green Bay has done in the past is draft these guys, uh, develop them, and then trade them. Uh, they use them as commodities. Uh, and, I, and I think that's, that's a, a great way to look at this. The Cowboys have never done that in this era. They used to do it, you know, back in, you know, in the Gil Brandt's era. You know, uh, in 1964, they drafted Roger Staubach and Jerry Rome. Uh, in the, yeah. in one dra- in the '64 draft, and at the time, Don Meredith was 25 years old. So they clearly valued quarterbacks and valued what they could mean. And obviously, they they traded Jerry Rome. I think I think Jerry Rome was a 10th round draft pick. I believe they traded him for a third. I think, as I recall. So you know, the, there are always things that you can do with these guys if you have a plan. I don't think the Cowboys have ever had a plan with quarterbacks. Uh, I, I think. It, it was all. It was the same thing with running backs. You know, I mentioned that in the '90s, the only uh, quarterback they drafted was Bill Musgrave. In the '90s, after they drafted Emmitt Smith, I think that Sherman Williams was the only other running back they ever drafted. Uh, so, you know, when when Jerry kind of gets the guy he wants and he knows he's going to play, it's like, why would I draft another guy? You know, I've already I've already got what I wanted. You know, and I and I I I, I don't I'm not as strong about that as running backs. I think you can find running backs pretty much any time you want to in a draft but uh but quarterbacks i think you should and so i i'm looking forward to see over the years here as mike mccarthy uh as uh you know as as head coach and certainly has an influence on the draft what he decides to do with drafting quarterbacks drafting and i think uh you know andy dalton i think did an interview yesterday where he said well, I get, you know, I just want to go there for a year. And again, this is a one-year deal, so we could be talking about a different backup quarterback next year. And I guess we'll be talking then about whether that's sending Dak a message too. But, um, you know, Dalton was saying, well, I just want to go there for a year and like, you know, learn from McCarthy. I want to get, you know, be exposed to a different system. So, and, and that's something we haven't really talked about. I think Mike McCarthy has a reputation in this league as a quarterback's coach, and you can learn some things from him. And will that kind of keep the backup pipeline going if you need veteran guys saying, well, hey, I'll go there for a year. Uh, I know he can help me and then I'll move on. And, you know, that's not a bad way to address the position until you develop a guy uh, that, that you uh, draft and, and, and want to have ready going forward. Well, we'll see how that goes with not only him, but as you mentioned, Jameis Winston in, in New Orleans because of, of what yeah. Sean Payton, not only what he can learn from Sean Payton, but what he can learn from Drew Brees. Sure. Uh, that could have a tremendous impact on, on Jameis Winston. And career. again, that's a dramatically different situation because Drew Brees is probably in his final season. Uh, Jameis Winston can justify it by, okay, I'll get into the system. Uh, then I can be on a team as good as New Orleans or going to need a quarterback. I'll have the inside track. So that's, that's a much different situation than the one Andy Dalton put himself in. Yes, he did. All right, boys, I think that's going to uh, wind it up for us unless Evan has something else he'd like to say. Evan, do you anything else you want to add to this conversation? <laughs> you stirred up the dog. Thank, thank you, Evan. That was... <laughs> Evan, that was the smartest thing you said in this entire podcast. Oh, that was your dog? Golly. All right, guys. I got to go. You guys sign off.
All right, there goes Evan with his dog. Uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, until next time, we are we might have another podcast this week. You never can tell. Uh, we 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 react to the news here at the Dallas Morning News, and anything that comes up, we're ready to go. And uh, so, anyway, we like to thank you for listening in. And on behalf of David Moore and Evan Grant and his dog, and uh, Jose Rodriguez as well, who's producing this fine podcast, we'll say goodbye and see you later. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.